Welcome, weirdos! I'm Darren Marlar, the host of Weird Darkness, where I bring you true stories of the paranormal, supernatural, legends, lore, crime, conspiracy, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. Named one of the 20 best storytellers in podcasting by Podcast Business Journal and ranked one of the best true crime and paranormal podcasts by Podcast Magazine. Bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the Weird Darkness, posted seven days per week. Find Weird Darkness everywhere you listen to podcasts or visit WeirdDarkness.com. Multiple family members are dead. The culprit? Dolls. Very, very, very weird story. We'll take a look at that one. And then, what happens when a ghost is so powerful it can completely warp reality? What happens when a spirit of the damned can booby trap a haunted house? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun out there in the world. This is the end of season 21. We're wrapping it up a little bit early because longtime listeners of the show know I take a pretty long break during the summer and I didn't want to have those two breaks kind of just back to back. So I'm taking a two week break now. You're going to get at least five Dead Rabbit Radio classic episodes. That's why I give some behind-the-scene stuff. And then we're going to have five of our retro rabbits, which you guys seem to really like, the repeats. The repeats coming on. Because it's just episodes you may have never heard before or episodes you haven't heard in a while. So we'll be having those while I'm on my break. And I will be well-rested. Hopefully <laughs> hopefully nothing crazy happens. That tends to what happens when I try to take a break. But someone who's never crazy, someone who's always fit as a fiddle mentally. I don't know. I don't know. This guy might be a total lunatic. But walking into Dead Rabbit Command one more time this season, everyone give it up for William Fontaine de la Tour. Woohoo! Yeah, wee! Yeah, he's showing, he's showing off how smart he is and how not insane he is by juggling knives. Bill, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. I really do. Just please help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. That's what maintains the show, is the growth. So please get the word out about Dead Rabbit Radio. If you love the show, spread the word. It really, really, really helps. Bill, let's go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. We're going to jump off the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command and glide all the way out to... Oh, oh, and also, before we get started, he's already jumping. He's like, where am I supposed to go? Where am I supposed to go? Check out this fan art I got. I got this fan art from resident fan art maker Robert Paulson. Robert Paulson's done a lot of fan art. He's also custom made me my hay hook that people always ask about in my TikTok videos. They're like, what is that? Why is there a giant piece of metal cleaved into your wall? Robert Paulson sent us this cloud rabbit. If you ever look up into the sky and see a cloud in the shape of a rabbit, that <laughs> means Robert Paulson just died and his ghost is sending you a signal. Thank you so much 
for the fan art. I really, really appreciate it. I really do. He, he's done a lot of stuff for the show. Really appreciate it. Bill, climb all the way back up. Climb all the way back up to the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command. Everyone grab onto his ankles. And we're going to jump off the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command. Glide us all the way out to Brazil. We're headed all the way out to Brazil. Specifically, we're headed to Bahai, Brazil. We're going to be near Itapacaria Island. It's nighttime, December 22nd, 1996. Hair hang glider is gliding over the island. We look down and we see the Nazari salt mines. You see all these guys walking around with big pickaxes and the foreman's like, more salt, make more. He's all trying to eat. He's trying to eat some french rice. He's like, come on, guys, I'm hungry. They're picking at it with pickaxes. They probably have excavators. They're probably not doing it by hand. They're carrying salt in their hands. It's slowly, grains are falling between their fingers. They're like, oh, here we go, boss. I just have this little tiny amount left. Ah, not enough for my french fries. Salt mines. Salt mines. (laughs) Things that people were sent to in fantasy novels. Places you didn't want to end up at. They're real, because that's where you get your salt. Anyways, near this salt mine... A report goes out of a terrible car crash. Hello, hello, police. Yeah, I just saw like the craziest thing. This car went down an embankment and just rolled for a while and people were like flying out of it. (laughs) Not like superheroes. They didn't become super powerful because they got too much salt in them. No, people were flying out and like cracking their heads open. You should get out here right away. So the police and the ambulance head out there. Woo, 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 woo. And they all stop and sure enough, They see this car roll down and they see all these mangled bodies. But out of this group, you had a father, a mother, three kids, and the father's brother-in-law. So technically, or you could also say the wife's brother. Anyways, they're all dead. (laughs) It doesn't matter about, well, and they're not all dead. All the adults are dead. One of the kids is dead. But two of the children, these two daughters, survived. They survived this truck rolling down to the embankment as people were being thrown around out of the vehicle. They survived. So, of course, the police, you know, take them to the hospital, make sure everything's okay. And then they go, what happened? Like, obviously, we can tell that the car rolled down. But do you know why? This road that he was driving on is generally considered a very well-maintained and safe road. So why did your dad, what caused your dad to have the accident? And the girls kind of look at each other and they're like, this story's not going to make any sense. And the implications <laughs> the implications are terrifying for children around the world. But what happened was we were driving by the salt mine. Our dad works there. We were driving by the salt mine. And then all of a sudden, there we didn't see these guys originally. But all of a sudden, there were three dolls in the road but they weren't just like laying there they weren't just like someone had thrown their dolls out of a car they were jumping up and down now at this point you figure the police are like okay these kids obviously got a little bit of their brain scrambled this doesn't make any sense dolls don't jump up and down but the girls continued <laughs> the story makes any more sense but you figure the cops are like oh, this is weird and kind of spooky Emily, uh, did we give these girls a name? We'll call them Emily and Tracy. Emily said, Dad's driving the car. All of a sudden, we see three dolls in the middle of the road jumping up and down. 
And she said these weren't like tiny dolls, like Cabbage Patch dolls or nothing. She said they were about his biggest children. So let's put them around three feet tall. You got these three feet tall dolls jumping up and down. And they had their hands in the air and they were kind of waving them. As if they were trying to get the car to slow down. The dad doesn't know what's going on. He sees three dolls. I don't know if they had like button eyes. I don't know if they he could see like their raggedy and bodies were full of cotton. Or he just <laughs> he just thought somehow three children were in the middle of the road. I don't know if they were able to accurately define these people, these things as living dolls. But it doesn't matter. Three dolls jumping up and down in the middle of the road, waving their hands. Stop, stop, give us a ride. They're not saying that, but that's what Emily... Emily and Tracy said we. It, it looked like they were trying to wave us down to get a ride. Whether it's three dolls or three kids, you're going to have to start to swerve out of the way. You're not going to want to run. Well, you probably wouldn't care about running the dolls over. <laughs> if they were jumping up and down, you might be a little concerned. They would just follow you home, but... The dad begins to, he just slightly turns the car to avoid, to, to kind of drive around them. And and Emily goes, the weirdest thing happened. <laughs> I mean, it's all weird, but as my dad is turning the car to avoid them, the dolls shuffle in front of the car. So they're not letting us pass. And even odder than that is, so let's say my dad is going 25 miles an hour down this road. We don't have an exact speed. She said the dolls not only shuffled in front of the car, but they also were keeping pace with the car. She said these dolls were moving as fast as the car was. And not in the sense that it's slowly turning and they're slowly shuffling. She said they were keeping pace with the car. And I'm wondering, again, the world of the paranormal is so weird. Physics doesn't always make sense. I'm wondering if the, the, the dolls were moving backwards as the car is moving forward. So it's not like the car was ever in any... It's not like the car was ever going to hit the dolls. Because as it was going 25 miles an hour forward, the dolls were moving 25 hours, 25 miles per hour backwards, which is impossible, which is impossible for, which is impossible for any doll to do. And I would argue most children as well. She goes, they were keeping pace with the car. It, It was insane. And they continued to shuffle and they wouldn't let the car pass, even though we weren't any closer to hitting them. You still, you still don't want to be anywhere near these guys, right? You don't know what it is. You don't understand what the phenomenon is. And she goes, my dad kept kind of trying to slowly swerve around them, and they kept shuffling in front of the car. They would not let us pass. And so what dad did was he tried, there's an embankment on the side of this road. And the dad goes, I mean, obviously you'd be panicking at this point. Something's happening that shouldn't even be possible, and you have your kids in the car. If it was just him and his brother-in-law, he probably probably would have floored it and seen what these dolls were really made of. But you got kids, you got your wife. He starts to drive onto the embankment with the with. He's thinking, I'm just going to drive around them, drive down the embankment a bit, and come up behind them and just speed off, get out of here. But as they were going down the embankment, 
he loses control of the car and it begins to tumble down this steep hill, throwing people to and fro out of the car. And everybody died except for the two girls. There have been no other sightings like this in the area. There's been no other sightings of these dolls blocking traffic in Brazil. I think it would make the news at this point. But the girl said, we've never seen that, that those entities before or since. It just happened one time in 1996. What's interesting is a long time ago, I'll put the episode in the show notes, we did an episode in Colombia, which is kind of similar, where you had a bus driving through Colombia and a bunch of dwarves came out of the nearby forest or nearby foliage and be and just started trying to tip the bus over. They just ran out and they were pushing it from side to side. I don't remember if they actually do successfully tip the bus, but they were giving it the good old college try. Once is an event, twice is a coincidence, and three times is a phenomenon. So we're kind of at right now at that coincidence phase, as far as we know, like little people trying to cause car accidents. Successfully in this case, I think again, I think. They might have tipped the bus over in the first one. The bus driver may have just peeled out of there. I I don't remember. But it's a terrifying thing because it's not what you would expect to see. You wouldn't expect to see a bunch of dolls jumping around, blocking your way if you were, like, carrying a plate of spaghetti through a restaurant, let alone driving a car down a road at night with your family in it. So what are these entities? What is their goal? Do they just like causing car accidents? Were these dolls? Were they little people? Totally insane story. I got this from thinkaboutadocs.com. They got it from Alberto Romero, who is a Brazilian UFOologist. And this is what I think is interesting, too, and a lot. When you look at people who really study the UFO phenomenon, they it always branches out. Like, there's nothing about this story that really screams alien. It's more of cryptid or fae folk, which some people connect to the alien lore, but it's like cryptid or fae folk or spirits at play. But most UFOlogists, especially the ones worth their salt, get it? Get it? They will have to branch out. They'll start covering a little bit of Bigfoot stuff, the weird Bigfoot stuff, right? When they're flying in UFOs or they look like they're slowly shape-shifting from a human into a Bigfoot. All of these things, because UFO, UFOologists, it's so, the phenomenon is so broad. Generally, ghost hunters stay in their lane. They might have an interest in Bigfoot, but a lot of times you're not looking at ghost hunt, professional ghost hunters that start going, oh yeah, on this weekend we're going to go UFO hunting. That's, it doesn't go the other way. It's interesting, but UFOlogy, it's, you may start off steady in the skies, but eventually you come across stories like this and you go, what in the world happened on this road? But we have no answers. We have zero answers. Just two girls mourning the death of their family. Bill, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. <laughs> that, was, that was a depressing ending, but... Bill, let's go ahead and talk to the keys of the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind Brazil. Why don't you fly us all the way out to Idaho? Specifically, we're headed out to Idaho Falls. 
Idaho. And I didn't know this. There's actually a waterfall in Idaho Falls. That's why they named it that. It's not like super impressive or anything. It's really just like a dam that doesn't work right. So like water's shooting over the edges of it. Some people are drowning. They're like, oh, shouldn't we make that uh, dam a little bit taller? And they're like, we ran out of money. It's like this weird... It's like lame. It's like an artificial waterfall, which makes sense because Idaho has like negative mountains. There's nothing taller than an NBA player in the entire state. So it's just like in the middle of Idaho Falls, there's just like water falling. And this is a true story. This is a true story. It was originally called Eagle Rock and a bunch of people moved away. (laughs) They're like, Eagle, Schmeagle, I hate flying birds. And a bunch of people moved away from Eagle Rock, Idaho and they had built this dam and they hired the city hired a marketing team and they're like hey we need more people in Idaho Falls to pay taxes because all of our previous taxpayers either left or drowned and the marketing team goes why don't you call it Idaho Falls cuz that's a waterfall right and the mayor kind of looks side to side and he's like yeah sure it's a waterfall so they named it Idaho Falls it's a very evocative name not many eagles left though Well, Idaho Falls, Idaho. I found two stories recently. I was scouring the shadowlands.net. I found two interesting ghost stories. One of them... Well, I'm not going to give you any introduction. Let's go ahead and and get started with these. First off, this first first story is like three sentences long. It's very, very short, but I wanted to include it. Apparently near the falls, so near this lame place where water slightly moves down four feet it's not a waterfall this is this is one of my favorite types of ghost stories i I, any ghost story that is based on a a repetitive event we come across them they're they're quite i I don't want to say common right but you do see them and they're fascinating they'll say like every may 13th if you go out to the civil war battlefield and wait between the hours of like 12 and 1 in the morning, you may hear a young woman wailing, Johnny boy, Johnny boy, you forgot your lunch. <laughs> I packed you a bag lunch for that old civil war you've been talking about. And it's the wailing cries of a mother who lost her child to a Confederate bullet. Ugh. She's like, Johnny boy, ham and cheese, your favorite. I sliced the bread myself, Johnny boy. You see those stories pop up. It's, And they're always super interesting to a paranormal researcher because, you, you know, I'm not a big thing. I don't have a big thing about trying to prove ghosts exist to people who don't believe in ghosts. But when you do talk about science, it's a it's repetition is a big part of it, right? Can you repeat the experiment? And, and that this is really as close as we can get to something like that. If, for in fact, you could go out on a May 13th between 12 and 1 and hear... A mother scream out for her son. Pretty solid evidence that ghosts exist. Because it's re- it's a repeating nature. And it's great for researchers because they can go out and they know what to plan for. They can bring the right audio devices, things like that. We see these happen from time to time. Whenever the storm's rolling in, you see a young woman standing at a cliffside waving her scarf from side to side. We, It's always interesting to run into these. The one thing they all have in common, other than being a repeatable event, is that they're generally rare time-wise. Like I said, once a year, or when a storm rolls in. Like, it's not something that's happening constantly. And Idaho Falls, every Wednesday night, 
This apparently there's an old abandoned building near the falls every Wednesday night between 9 p.m. and midnight. That's people people are still out shopping, right? The city's still bustling at that point. 9 to midnight, bars are still open, taxi cabs are driving on the road. It's not spooky. I mean, I guess it's spooky a little bit because the sun's down. But it's not like three in the morning spooky. It's not when there's nobody up except criminals, cops, and you. 9 p.m. to 12 every Wednesday night at this building, you will see a man jump out of a window and die. (laughs) When he hits the ground, he doesn't die. He's like, whoops, probably shouldn't have done that. And then his dead body falls through the sky. No, apparently at some point, He jumps out the window. You see a guy jump out the window and then he lands on the ground and dies. But it's a ghost. (laughs) That would would be really bad to put in the Idaho Falls brochure. They're like, come to our city. We have a waterfall. And every Wednesday night, a man commits suicide. You're like, wait, what? It's a ghost. He's, He's just, it's like one of those, what we call residual hauntings, where it's a recording of an event. Every Wednesday, every Wednesday night, never takes a week off. From 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. That's, listen, I would love for that to be true. <laughs> I'm not saying, oh, man, I'm, I'm sure glad this guy killed, committed suicide. Woo! I'm not, I'm, that's bad. <laughs> that part sucks. But I would love if I could go to a place and pretty much, like, arrange my Wednesday, right? I'm like, okay, first I'm going to go and have a nice lunch and then maybe catch a movie. <laughs> maybe catch a movie that's uh, not incredibly depressing. And then, um, oh, it's time to go. And I show up at this building a little bit before nine. And all I got to do, I'll wait only three hours and I'll watch a ghost plummet to the ground. I mean, why even watch the movie at that point? That's the movie. <laughs> Anything you see in the movie is not going to be as amazing as that. A ghost Jumping out a window. I doubt this story is true. I mean, again, I hope it is. It's fantastic if it's that TikTok-y. Like, it works on such a schedule. And the schedule is very short because a lot of times these stories are like, sometimes they're so specific. It's like May 13th and it has to fall on a Tuesday. Like, it's this variable, but you can still... Figure it out. You can go, this is when the next haunting, this is when the next time this girl is going to be standing on this cliff face or you're going to see this man walking on the street. This one is every single Wednesday night. And it's funny to think that ghost researchers would love this the first <laughs> the first two or three times, maybe four times. But I'm sure like local ghost hunters are like, so what should we do tonight? Should we try contacting the dead with our new ghost box? No, no. How about we um, break out the Ouija board and go to the local cemetery? No, no, Hey, guys, I know what we should do. They're like, please, please don't bring up the suicide building again. He's like, but it works. It works. We're there every Wednesday, Jerry. No, come on, come on. This time, this time I'm going to stand underneath it. I'm going to let his body pass through me. And they're like, okay. <laughs> actually sold us on it that sounds pretty entertaining that's a good question if this is this is probably the most hypothetical question i've ever asked on this show but if you knew every wednesday night between 9 p.m and 12 a.m a 
ghost is going to jump out of a window and die. Or he's already dead, but jump out of a window and plummet to his past death, his original death, whatever. Jumps out of a window and you know where he's going to impact. Would you stand underneath his ghost body? Because here's the pros and Jason, there's no pros. There's no pros to that. That sounds like the most dangerous thing a ghost hunter can do. You figure, we'll start off with the cons then. Uh, you can easily get possessed. Right? This ghost fall goes, goes right through you. And then your buddies are like, Jerry, that was amazing. That was such a good idea. And Jerry turns and he looks at the ghost hunting crew. And he's like, yeah, you guys like that one? Hey, hold on. I have to go in that building real quick. I'll be right back. They're like, what? The building's been abandoned for years. And Jerry walks in the building and they can see him walking up the stairs. They're like, uh, okay, what's going on here? And then Jerry jumps out the window. And then there's two ghosts standing there and they're giving each other high fives. Their hands can't touch. They're like, oh no, the eternal torment. No more high fives. Their hands don't make contact. You could get possessed. I think that'd be the worst thing that could happen. Um, you probably get, it's probably, it's probably not super clean. I'm sure ghosts might have some sort of spectral bacteria to get your clothes all dirty. Ectoplasm, right? I know that's mostly, ectoplasm's a real thing, but the idea of a ghost passing through you and leaving ectoplasms from Ghostbusters. But, you know, that was a good movie, so we're gonna count that. We're gonna count that. Maybe you'll be covered in ectoplasm. Maybe you'll get slimed. I think the pros would be the pros would be none of those right none of those happen that's a pro and then also just i think you bragging rights like how many people like you go to a a fancy party and everyone's like i have a phd and i do doctor stuff and another guy's like i save animals from trees i saved a squirrel they're like aren't those supposed to be trees aha but he had a broken leg and i saved them they're like yay clapping and then you would say, because you got to one-up these people, right? You go, yeah, that's fine. PhD, you saved a squirrel's life. I once stood underneath a ghost. <laughs> that, can you imagine saying that? People would be like, what does that even mean? How do you stand underneath a ghost? Wait, first off, you leaving ghosts? Secondly, <laughs> what? Grammatically, that makes no sense. And you go, no, it's 100% true. There's a haunted building at Idaho Falls, Idaho, and I stood underneath a ghost as he was committing suicide. <laughs> at that point, we were like, How, who invited you to this party, you lunatic? Get security, get him out of there. Squirrels come marching in and drag you out. Bragging rights. You'd be able to be, how many people has a ghost fall through them? And not get possessed. That's the key thing. Ghosts may constantly be passing through people, and then they get possessed and they start murdering their family with a hammer. You don't want that part. That's not bragging rights. That might be bragging rights in prison, but uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're part. We're talking about bragging rights specifically for fancy parties. But that's not the main reason why we're in Idaho Falls. We're in Idaho Falls to take a look at a truly menacing haunting and i love this story and we've been talking about this for a long time on this podcast the power level of the paranormal i feel so often that this stuff does not get covered the true power level of the paranormal is off the charts 
Like when you sit back and you look at some of these stories, you're like, oh my God, we have no hope. We have no hope. I was recently watching War of the Worlds, one of my favorite science fiction movies, Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. And there's that line in it when those aliens are coming down and they're just killing everyone. The guy goes, this isn't a war no more than there's a war between men and maggots. This is an extermination. That's the power level that we face when we come across this stuff. Let's take a look at this. This is nuts. This is another story I got from the Shadowlands.net. Somewhere in Idaho Falls, there's an empty lot with a large fence around the perimeter. There used to be a house here. This used to be their fence line. They had a really high fence, so you can't look over it. You really have to scramble up it. Preferably use a ladder to take a peek over this fence. That's how tall the fence is, and it runs the entire perimeter of this lot. They used to have this house in it. Now, the house is gone. It's become overgrown with trees. So it's kind of a weird sight. It almost looks like a, 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 a little miniature forest, a private miniature forest. Apparently, and we don't know if, if this is a local legend. There's no proof of this part of it. Well, technically, there's no proof of any of it. But the story locally is that where this there used to be a house here. And the father went nuts one day and killed his entire family. Killed his entire family, possibly killed himself, as always. Like, and now that that's done, a trip to the falls. I heard there's an abandoned building. He looks at his watch, he's like, Wednesday, my favorite day. <laughs> Between 9 and 12, oh, my favorite three hours. And he goes walking over there. Presumably the father killed himself as well. Everyone else in the family was murdered. At a certain point, the house was torn down. But the lot and the fence remained. So no house, just a tall fence and a couple trees in this lot. little private park if anyone could get over the fence. But sometimes, residents in the area will see lights in that lot. But not lights like orbs. Not lights like a flicker or a flash. What it looks like is the light coming from inside a house. They don't see a house, but they see lights kind of shine through the tree line that look that if there was a house there and their front window, the curtains were open and that light was shining out of that big front window. They see that they see the light, they see the trees kind of lit up a little bit of light coming through the planks and the fence just a little bit. It looks like the light coming out of a house. A house that doesn't exist. Sometimes, people walking by this house hear the sound of children playing in the yard. It's an empty lot. Nobody's in there. But people can hear, sometimes, people can hear children playing in this yard. But the fence is so high... You can't look over it to see what it is. You just hear, hey, hey, give me the ball. That was my ball. Well, then here, take it, catch, bounce, whoa, wee, 
Yay! Bounce! Woohoo! This is the best ball ever! Sometimes, this is so weird, I love this story, sometimes they do see the house. Sometimes the light is there and they don't see a house, but sometimes people have reported seeing a house in that lot. And the curtains are pulled open, light is shining out of the windows, it's making the same pattern on the trees that they see when they just see the light and no house. Super, super weird, right? Sometimes they do see the house there with the light coming from the inside of the house out into the trees. And it's also been reported that you can sometimes hear the sound of a door opening. So, of course, when you have something like this in your neighborhood, every curious kid, every brave teenager is going to want to go over there. People are constantly looking over the getting ladders, right? Getting ladders, looking over the fence. They just see trees and an empty lot. I believe a lot of people, not a ton, right? But more than the group we're about to to talk about. But I believe other people have gone over and walked around the lot and just seen the trees and kind of got a funny feeling and then left. You got to use a ladder to get back over the fence. Two ladders. If you show up with one ladder, you're going to be stuck. But you would have people kind of hop the fence and look around and a funny feeling, a weird feeling, a creepy feeling. But those reports kind of all ended there. So we do have people hopping the fence. That's not literally. They have to use basically two ladders, one on the outside to get in, and then hopefully they they brought another ladder from home to get back out. I don't know if the empty lot is full of disused ladders, probably not considering where the story's about to go. I'm sure they figured out a way to get their ladders back. Dad's like, hey, uh, I went to go paint the house, and I have no ladder. In fact, there's no ladders anywhere in the city. Where are they, kids? People say when they go over into that area and they're walking around that lot, most likely, right, the spookiest time, (laughs) 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. on a Wednesday night, teens have said that when they go over in the lot, they can see the spirits of murder victims walking, the family walking through the trees. That would be enough to make you forget your ladder, right? That would be enough. But the story we're about to look at, I mean, that is all pretty standard ghost stuff. Well, the the, the ghosts walking around, the house appearing and disappearing, that's not normal. I believe we've covered something. We covered a door that was able to do that. That was a creepy episode. I'll put that in the show notes. I actually just got an email within the past couple of days from a supporter of the show going by my favorite cryptid, going by the name of my favorite cryptid, the Creek Freak. The Creek Freak says that in Salem, Alabama, there's a place that the locals call Ghost Town. And not because it is abandoned, not because it's a literal ghost town. I guess this is even a more literal ghost town. In Salem, Alabama, the Creek Freak says that 
There's a place they call the ghost town because locals say the entire town appears and disappears. And the story goes that if you're within the town limits, when it disappears, you're never seen again. So I want to see if I can find... Thank you, Creek Freak, for sending that over. I, uh, I, wanted, I want to do some more information on that. I want to see if I can pull up anything, but I wanted to notate that. That's a power level far beyond spirits walking in the trees. Lights turning on and off. I mean, we'll see those on, like, Reddit posts of, hey, I'm having weird... <laughs> I'm murdering my family and their ghosts are still around. What should I do? The house appearing and disappearing like an actual haunted building. The building itself is manifesting. That is very powerful. And we haven't even gotten to the worrying part of this story. The reason why I think this might be just so off the charts. We're going to take a look at two brothers. We're going to call them. We don't have their real names. We're going to call them Bob and Clancy. And they did the dual ladder method. So you use one ladder to get over the fence and you, I guess you probably throw the one ladder over and then you climb over it and then you got to set that ladder up to get back out. But anyway, so they have this dual, I don't climb ladders or hop fences for any reason. They have these uh, ladders set up and Bob and Clancy begin walking around this abandoned lot. And they, you know, I've heard the legends. They think they're going to see some ghosts, maybe have a creepy feeling Maybe see something that none of their friends have seen. Bragging rights. But the screams were enough. Hearing people scream for their lives. That was all the evidence they needed. It's time to leave. They're out of here. They know that the stories are true. The brothers take off. They're running back to the fence where their ladder's at. Clancy gets to the ladder first, but he's so panicked. He's so terrified over what they just heard. Remember, you're in the dark, you're back. You, you know this place is haunted, right? You've heard all the stories. And now your back is to the darkness, and you know that this place is haunted. Whatever was screaming may be coming for you. Clancy goes to start to climb up the ladder, and he knocks it over. And it's dark. And they're in a state of total fear. Bob figures, I'm not going to worry about the ladder. Because my brother is an idiot. And I probably shouldn't have brought him here in the first place. I'm just going to climb the fence. I'm going to get out of here. But Clancy can figure it out himself. Clancy is kind of fooling around with the ladder on the ground. Trying to get it set back up. But he's terrified. Bob says, I'm just going to climb the fence. Bob put his hands just to the fence, right? He hasn't even started climbing yet. He put his hands on the fence to get a grip. And he feels nails dig into his palms. He pulls his bloodied hands away from the fence. And he's looking down at them. And he's looking at the fence. And he can't see any nails. But he felt them dig into his flesh. It's like, what in the world? And while he's... I mean, now you have multiple problems, right? You got screaming behind you. You got bloody hands in front of you. As 
Bob is <laughs> Bob's already terrified. He's trying to climb this fence. He can't climb it. There's no way he was going to be able to scale this. Now he's bloody. No, he's definitely not. He'd be lucky if he can climb the ladder at this point. Lancey gets the ladder set up, and Bob works through the pain. They climb up the ladder. They get to the other side of the fence, and they run home. But the next day, or a short time later, Bob and Clancy went back to... Because apparently they have a death wish, right? Bob and Clancy went back to the house because Bob had all these cuts on his hands. And he said, I put my hands on the fence and I felt nails. Like someone has driven nails through the fence and I couldn't see him probably because it was dark. But let's go see what that was. But they're going to be smart this time. They go, if you dig it, if you drive a nail through the fence, you drive them through the outside of the fence. So they're poking the inside. So if you tried climbing it, you would get your hand all cut up. Maybe it was a prank or something like that. So Bob with his bandaged hands walking through town. And they know where they hopped the fence. I mean, obviously they can see the puddle of urine from when they were peeing their pants and probably some blood seeping underneath the fence as well. They get to the fence to where they had climbed over and tried to climb back over. And what they could see, broad daylight, on the outside of the fence, there was no indication that nails had been driven through the wood. None. No nails, no nail holes like they were there previously and somebody removed them as a prank. That very popular, give them tetanus prank I see going around on TikTok. For the nails to have cut his hands the way that they did, they weren't just little tiny nails on the inside of the fence. It was like these nails had been driven through the wood. And when he put his hands on them, they dug into his flesh. But they couldn't find any evidence of the nails being there. From looking on the outside, they couldn't see him. And they did not go back over the fence. They weren't like, well, you know, this this requires a second opinion. Uh, let's check the other side. No, they just go, okay, there's no nails here. Let's go home. Bob had scars on his hands for the rest of his life from this. So it wasn't just like a little scratch. Like these were pretty, pretty all cut up. But what, I mean, listen, this is what we're talking about as far as power level goes. You hop a fence, a totally normal fence into haunted property. And it becomes a trap. That's insane. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand when they talk about ghost hunting, when they talk about paranormal. It's it's so dangerous. And one of the biggest dangers is we don't know what to expect because we don't know what the phenomenon is. I've talked about this before on the podcast several times. I've been on ghost hunts and my voice has been altered. Like people have heard me scream out stuff that I didn't say. I'll put that episode on the show. It's actually, I think, the same episode. And then the time that I was screaming for help. I, I, I was screaming my friend's name, to be fair. And I was saying, Dana, Dana, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. And she didn't hear me. It's like it, it, the this phenomenon, sound waves mean nothing to it. You can be in one room and something can be strangling the life out of you. And you're screaming. You could be in a room in your bedroom and your roommate or your brother or your spouse or whatever is in the next room and some entity crawls out from underneath your bed and begins to drag you deep inside the shadow realm and you're screaming 
you're screaming at the top of your lungs, no one's going to hear you. It's the weirdest thing. Sound waves, noises mean absolutely nothing to these entities. They can completely stop it. And then things like this. You go into a haunted house expecting maybe you'll see a spooky girl ghost or maybe you'll pick up something on your ghost box. Maybe you'll catch an orb on camera and you and your crew are walking around with a little tape recorder saying, how long have you been here? What's your name? And you don't realize that all the doorknobs are gone. You don't realize that when you guys all walked up to the second floor of this abandoned, haunted house, the first floor no longer exists. The second floor is an endless maze of doors you can never open. That's the power level that we talk about when we talk about these haunted houses. And I know, like, you can watch Zach Baggins and they walk around a haunted penitentiary and it just seems like, oh, they're just walking around a haunted penitentiary and they have these maps. I mean, obviously, they know where they're going. They know the layout. But none of that stuff matters to the world of the paranormal. There is no... There's just... It can change at any time and it can become so incredibly hostile and there's just no defense against it. I feel like this has been a running theme this season. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but at the same time, I don't think enough paranormal researchers talk about this. Like, it is not cut and dry. Your ghost box, your tape recorder, your temperature gauge, those are all great instruments to utilize on a ghost trip, on a ghost hunt. But they will not save you when you've been stuck on the second story of this haunted house for three weeks. They will not save you when your group gets separated because they heard different noises in different rooms and they all peeled off to check it out. And you're running through an endless house. You keep hearing you keep hearing your teammates in this room. Hey, come over here. We're over here. Are you over there? We're lost. And you go in that room. It's just another long, empty hallway. And even that, as bizarre as that is, those are, I mean, <laughs> trust me, those are terrifying, right? You're stuck. You're never going to get out of there. The nails in the fence, it's a active defense system. Whatever was in this lot didn't want these boys getting out. It hurt them. It caused them to bleed. Nails that weren't there that they couldn't see. When you put your hands on the fence, they dug through your flesh. That's just maniacal. That is the power level we talk about when we talk about the world of paranormal. You don't see it. You don't think it's possible, but it's there and it is. And you have to wonder what would have happened if Clancy hadn't gotten that ladder up in time. 
I wonder, and I got to wrap this up because this episode's going really long, but I wonder, listen, if you murder your entire family, I don't think it's going out on a limb if I say you're probably a pretty bad dad. You're probably a pretty, pretty crummy dad. And I'm wondering if when that family was alive, he did stuff like put nails in the fence to keep his kids in. It's creepy to think that these kids going out to this location that everyone in town knew about and talked about and thought it was really cool and had all this stuff almost killed them. Really worse than death. Because what, what, I I mean, I think this is an interesting question. What happens to you when you die in a haunted house? I imagine your soul joins the spirits that are there. So had Bob and Clancy not been able to get over this fence, they would have become part of the legend, part of the lore. The story of when two kids went over the fence and they never came back out. The police would dismiss that. The police would open an investigation. The parents would dismiss it. And always wonder what happened to their children. But the kids in the town of Idaho Falls, they would know the truth. Sometimes late at night you would see lights shining through the trees. Sometimes you may hear the sound of children playing on the other side of the tall fence. Sometimes you may even see the house itself manifest on the empty lot. And sometimes you can hear the sounds of two brothers banging on the fence, begging for their lives. And then you hear the screaming. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. That is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen, for season 21. We're going to take a two-week break where we're going to have some Dead Rabbit Radio classics, some retro rabbit reruns of past episodes, and we will be back with... Brand new episodes of Dead Rabbit Radio on June 5th. So two weeks away, June 5th, 2023. We will be back, and I hope you guys are with us as well.